the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much again for joining me today. I hope that you're having a great week and that this sets you up for it. And so I want to really talk today about this idea. And I thought about this, you know, everyone has an Achilles heel. Everyone has a limp. And I want you to think about that. What's your Achilles heel? What really gets you and you can't even rebound as well as you'd like to? Is it someone being, you know, harsh with you? Is it you making a mistake? You know, what's your Achilles heel? Is it, it's also one of those things that we give into, not necessarily that always breaks us. But the Achilles heel may be, you know, someone keeps saying, please, 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 and kind of you cave in. So I want you to listen to this verse that I have, and I love this. It says, for the Lord your God goes before you, and he will be with you. He will never leave you nor he will not forsake you. Do not be afraid. So I want to you to ask yourself, do you ever just feel like a loser? Okay. <laughs> now, the reason I write this is because I have felt like a loser. I, at many different times in my life, I have felt like, gosh, I am such a loser. Now, logically, intellectually, you know it's just a feeling. But nevertheless, it lingers. You can't shake it. And you just feel like you're a loser. Now, I don't know. Maybe your behaviors would reflect someone that doesn't have their act together. I don't know. But nevertheless, the self-judgment is the worst. It is worse than the act itself. And so an Achilles heel, a limp, you know, it's a weakness. It's a weak area that kind of folds. You know, it, it can't take the strain. And so I want you to know that I was raised in an era 
where you weren't really supposed to feel good about yourself. That was being arrogant, conceited, stuck up, etc. And now the pendulum has swung to the other side. I mean, I could beat the hell out of myself like a pro. I have a list of examples, memories going back for decades that I could prove I was a loser. I've left this radio station many, many times feeling like, I hope nobody listens to that show because I don't know if I did it right. I don't like how I did it. And as I'm driving to my office, I can rehash the entire show, doing the coulda, shoulda, woulda, if only then, hoping that no one heard the mistakes that I made. So where does this propensity to beat ourselves up come from? Well, how do we live a life of moderation, knowing we are of great value regardless of our behaviors, but still needing to strive to be the best version of ourselves, the best version that we can be? Maybe it's a fine line, a balancing act, feeling good about myself, but not too good about myself. See, the reality of this dilemma is that first and foremost, we do not get our worth and our value based on our behaviors. This is called performance-oriented behavior. Now, if you don't know what performance-oriented behavior is, it means that I'm behaving in a certain way that possibly could go against my own value system, but I'm performing so that I can feel like I'm okay and that I fit or that I belong or that maybe I'm better than other people so I don't have to feel so insecure. And so this at least causes us to judge everything that we think, everything we do, everything we say, as well as judging others and endlessly competing and striving and inevitably chasing the feeling. And I talk to clients on a regular basis. I say, you know, you're chasing a feeling. You're wanting to feel something so badly that you'll do anything to get that feeling. And the problem is, if you do anything to get a feeling, you're going to not get a very good feeling. <laughs> I mean, it's this kind of double bind that happens to us. So I've been there. I still can do it. And I have to catch myself and recognize that good feelings from achievements, valiancy, heroism, are still fleeting. Accolades, fame, notoriety, it's like sugar sweeteners, right? It tastes great, but has kind of a bad aftertaste and can never replace a healthy, emotional, spiritual diet. So let me say that one more time. We all like sugar sweeteners, tastes great, but has a bad aftertaste. And we can never replace a healthy, emotional, and spiritual diet with anything that's fake or fleeting. We never get good feelings if we don't work for something. If we're not putting ourselves out there, if we're not challenging ourselves, if we're taking responsibility for something that we did that we know we shouldn't have done, those are the things that give us the good feelings. See, this is what happens. When we do this, when we're trying to chase the feeling, and we're trying to maybe get all those accolades hoping that that's going to help me feel better, then what happens is the dilemma is that first and foremost, we, know, we, we have to understand we don't get our worth and value based on our behaviors. And even if you have done this in the past, this is what happens 
when you give into that need for approval, that need to be perfect, that need to be wanted. Now, all of those things are not bad needs, but you have to recognize what happens. What do you do to try to get that need met? And many times we do all the wrong things to get that need. To get that need met, we do the wrong things. So we end up feeling like this. We might say to myself, or you might say to yourself, I'm a loser. I'm a loser. And I've said that to myself plenty of times in my life. I'm not a loser, but I can feel like one. And maybe I can't get over myself. I keep rehashing. Why did I say that? Why didn't I say that? You know, doing the coulda, shoulda, wouldas, if only then, right? And so maybe I'm terrified that people will find out who I really am. Maybe I'm not sure of who I really am. Maybe I get confused about who I really am. Maybe I don't know who I am. And maybe I'm not sure I want to know who I really am. What if I find out who I am and then I hate myself even more? Or if I or others find out who I really am, maybe I'll be rejected. See, if I find out who I am, I can't lie to myself anymore. I'll just have to live with the truth. Now, this is what I love. This is my most precious, wanted, loved Bible verse ever. And this is the one that says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I have found this to work amazingly in my life, in my client's life, in my friend's lives, that really we're so afraid of the truth that we're trying to cover it up. We're trying to massage it. We're trying to say, no, that's not really me. We're lying about things. When actually, when we really take hold of the truth, it sets us free. We feel better, even if the truth is that I did something wrong. If I own it, I talk about it, I fix it, I feel better than I did before. It's not easy. It's not easy at all. And I want you to take my word for this. I have learned this in, in, all throughout my life, that when I tell the truth, and when I tell the truth to myself, I'm set free. And God comes in and finds a way for me to make it better. He's not going to leave me alone trying to fix something if I messed it up. See, if I messed it up <clears throat> and I say to God, I, I just need the truth. I don't know where the truth is, but I'm terrified of the truth. And God says, hey, here's the truth. And usually he starts it out with, I love you. I know you. I'm not shocked and surprised that you did it. I have a way out for you. I can help you. I can heal you. I can turn this bad thing into a good thing. So why would God want us to know who we really are if it was going to make things worse? So think about this. Have you ever told someone a quote-unquote mercy lie? Okay. Have you ever told someone a lie and it's just because you're having mercy on them? Like they're saying, hey, does this look okay on me? And you're like, yeah, sure. I think you can pull it off. Meanwhile, it's a lie. So why would God... So desperately want us to know the truth if it would only make it worse and encourage suicide and or other dangerous behaviors. God doesn't tell us mercy lies. He has mercy on us 
so that he can heal us, so that he can encourage us, so that he can help us know ourselves better and therefore like ourselves better. So he tells us the truth because he knows it heals. So I want you to think about this. The list of famous suicides is exhaustive and with more and more being added every day. People that have suicide, suicided have really believed a lie. These people were at the height of their career many times. Many times they were famous people that we thought had a life that, gosh, if I could have that life, I'd be so happy. And these famous suicides end up, you know, most of the general public, we find, would have loved to have been that person. And we're confused that, wow, that person I revere, I wish I was, I wish I looked like them or acted like them or had the life they had. And we find out that they suicided. So I want you to think about this idea of truth. And the truth will always set you free. It won't beat you up. It won't shine light in dark places to, you know, make you embarrassed. It simply wants you free. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about this idea of an Achilles heel. Well, welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for tuning in today. Make sure that you let your friends know about the show. And I really appreciate all the, just the support that you give. And I want to make sure you also check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. And that is spelled C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T. I tell people it's phonetically perfect. <laughs> and Cynthia Hyatt, right? So I'm thankful that you are listening today. And we are talking about this idea of an Achilles heel, right? Or everyone has a limp. And it can be so many different ways, so many different kinds of things that kind of just catch us, you know, and we stumble or we, you know, we fall apart or we, or we end up wanting to lie or, I don't know, do anything to change our, our environment or our, our, the way that we're feeling. So we might do, you know, drugs or alcohol or food or sex or whatever it is, you know, purchasing things to somehow feel better about ourselves. And so I want you to think about what could your Achilles heel be? What would your limp be? So for me, I'll tell you what my Achilles heel was and what really caused me to have a limp. When I was in my um, early 20s, I was diagnosed with a very serious eating disorder of anorexia and bulimia. And it really did almost kill me. And that was a really difficult thing for me to, to give up, to heal from, to come to terms with, to learn the truth about it. And it all started out because I thought I was fat. And I felt it and thought it was so true that I would do anything to not be fat. And that meant I smoked cigarettes all during college so that I didn't have to eat, right? I did all kinds of things like playing around with my food, living on carrots, celery, all kinds of things. And it didn't take away the feeling that was really what was bugging me. The Achilles heel for me was I didn't think I was pretty. I didn't think I was good enough. I thought I had to work even harder to be more attractive so that people would love me or like me. 
And what happens is that eating disorder actually certainly did not help me be prettier. And this is where, when God told me the truth about me, it fixed it. Now, I'm not saying it fixed it like I didn't have to do any work, because obviously I had to work on this. And so this is where I want you to understand that we all have this limp, this Achilles heel that just, if we don't manage it, it takes us down. And we fall into the depths of despair, of, you know, self-loathing. like Maybe we start lying. We start, you know, we lie about any kind of activity that we're doing. Or we tell people lies that, no, I can't come because of this. And so it really, if we're not careful, that Achilles heel starts to run the show. That limp starts to run everything. So I work around that limp. I work around my Achilles heel, that weak area. Instead of understanding that when I'm talking to myself about the truth, I'm accepting myself. I'm loving myself. I'm not loving everything I do. But I care about me. That Achilles heel loses power. So think about this. You know, we're hoping, we're wanting to think that we're okay, that we are, you know, up to, uh, up to the grade, we're up to that standard, whatever that is. And what happens is we end up beating ourselves up relentlessly, thinking that if I beat myself up hard enough, I'll change. But guess what happens? The more I beat myself up, the more pain I'm in. So the more I'm going to have to do behaviors to manage the pain. And that's where it gets into this crazy cycle. So how do we live a life of moderation? Knowing that we are of great value regardless of our behaviors, still striving to be the best version of ourselves, best that we can be. Now, maybe it's a fine line of balancing act, of feeling good about myself, but not, quote unquote, too good about myself. Well, the reality of this dilemma is that first and foremost, we do not get our worth and value based on our behaviors or our looks or how intelligent we are, how much money we make, how many people we know. See, this is called performance-oriented behavior. Now, at the least, it causes us to judge everything that we do and think and say, as well as we start judging others and endlessly competing and striving and comparing and contrasting ourselves with everybody else. So inevitably, we're quote-unquote chasing a feeling. We're hoping that I can do something, say something, someone will do something for me, say something to me, and I'll finally feel good. Even if that happens, it won't last. So I've been there, and I still can do it, and I have to catch myself and recognize that good feelings from achievements or valiancy or heroism are still fleeting. See, what we get in that moment is kind of like, I don't know, the dessert at the end of a really good meal. The problem is, if we didn't finish the good meal and have that meal be really supportive and very healthy, then the dessert just digs a deeper hole. See, what happens with us? Well, we start thinking, you know, what if people find out who I really am? I don't even know who I really am. You know, I want to know who I am, but if I find out who I am, I might hate myself even more. 
Or if others find out who I really am, I'll be rejected. Nobody wants me. So if I find out who I am, I can't lie to myself anymore. And I'll just have to live with the truth, right? So this is what we were talking about also in the first hour. This idea that God says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So, and this is, this is the idea that God never tells us a mercy lie. He doesn't just want us to feel good. He wants us to understand that he created us in a way and he's very happy with how he created us. He really liked it. And he's sad that we don't. And this is why we want to come to terms with the fact that we're created beings. And when God really helped me with this, it, it revolutionized my life. He finally said to me, Cynthia, I never consulted you when I made you. I created you, and I'm happy that I did. I liked what I made, and I'm sorry you don't like it. But I'm not going to change you. I'm happy with the design and how I created you and who you are. So you can either get with the program and enjoy it as well, or you're going to be at odds with yourself for the rest of your life. And we know about suicides. And we talked about this also in the first part of the show, that we have all these people that have suicided, and they're people that we thought had the best life ever. And these famous suicides with people that most of the general public would have loved to be that person. See, you see, that's believing a lie. It means that it's matching your emotional state instead of what is actually true. And so this idea of believing all of our emotions really leads us to a hellish place. So what does it tell you when this person is performing wonderful things and they go home and we find out that they suicided? So we feel even more compelled to be perfect. So join me in the next segment as we talk more about this idea of an Achilles heel. Well, good afternoon, and welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining in today. And if you're just tuning in, I want to make sure that you go to your favorite, either the website that I have at CynthiaHyatt.com, or you can go online and to any of the podcast servers. Most of these shows are on those podcast servers, so you can listen to them in their entirety. So we're talking today about this idea of an Achilles heel or a limp. And so all of us have that area that no matter how much we try to strengthen, it kind of can collapse on us. And it's different for everybody. Every, every single person, though, has this area that goes, oh, man, I can't get over that. Or it's going to take me a long time to get over that. And so this, this idea happens because we're believing a lie, because it matches your emotional state. And this is one of the most dangerous things a person could entertain. Remember this idea. We sterilize the needle that we execute people with. That's how much we value human life. So what does that tell you when the prison is performing an execution? They have to do it perfectly or they could get in a lot of trouble. Well, what does that tell you? That even when we feel compelled to kill people appropriately, anyone 
that has to come back from the war and believed in the cause they were fighting for still regrets killing. They might not regret fighting the war, but they all wish there would have been a different way. So I want you to ask yourself, when it comes to the weakness that you're having, I want you to ask yourself, what are you fighting within yourself? What are you fighting with yourself about? And is it worth the effort? Are you being your own worst enemy? Or are you being a true friend that has acceptance, that, that loves you in spite of your foibles, that can support you if you're having to come back after making a big mistake? See, I want you to say to yourself, or, or are you being the enemy? Are you pointing out the limp? Are you pointing out the Achilles heel? Like, hey, you almost lost it there. So who are you with your friends when you are talking to them? And what do you expect back from them? How do you talk to yourself? So I want you to have some, some ways to not make this be an all or nothing situation. So instead of wanting perfection, I want you to ask yourself, what am I arguing with me about? What do I constantly argue with myself about? Is it that I don't get up in time? I eat too much. I should stop drinking. Um, I drive too fast. Maybe I'm arrogant. Uh, I lie. What, what is the thing that, that you're arguing with yourself about? You shoulda, coulda, woulda, if only then. Why didn't you do this, right? Then I want you to ask yourself, what are you fighting for? Are you fighting for acclaim? Are you fighting for popularity? Are you fighting for, I don't know, to be seen, to be wanted? Or are you fighting for yourself to be you, the best version of you? Are you on your own side? Do you have your own back? Or do you stab yourself in the back so readily? So what are you fighting for? Are you fighting for other people to be treated well? Are you, are you fighting with yourself so that you act better when you're with people you don't like so much? Or are you just giving in to that Achilles heel that says, ah, I can just, I can swear as much as I want. I'm going to, I don't know, I can drink this beer and nobody's going to care. Whatever it is that you're talking yourself in or out of, I want you to say, what am I fighting for when it comes to me? And what am I willing to die for? See, these are important questions I want you to ask yourself. I don't want you to argue just for the sake of argument. See, don't fight just because you're unsettled or because you have some grievances that day or you're hurt or somebody insulted you that may have nothing to do with your current situation. So I, want, I don't want you to die for a feeling. Dying for a cause, possibly. But dying for a feeling, and I'm not saying actually suicide, I don't want you to do that for sure. But sometimes, you know, we're dying over a feeling, like we're saying, well, I can't fix it, so who cares? I'm just going to give up. So if I have that Achilles heel that says, you know, every time I get anxious, I want to eat, am I going to die over that feeling that I ate and I shouldn't have? Am I going to harm myself intellectually, emotionally, socially? How am I going to stand up for me? And that doesn't mean that I'm standing up for something because I believe my bad behavior is okay. It means I have my own back. See, what is the limp that God has given you? 
I want you to think about this story about Jacob. I'm sure you've heard it before. Jacob was strong-willed and very self-sufficient, but that wasn't what God wanted in him. So stay with me as we talk more about a limp or your Achilles heel. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Well, good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining in today. And this is the last segment of the show. So if you're just tuning in, please go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com or any of your favorite podcast servers, because these uh, all these different shows are on these podcast servers. So you can always find them. So we're talking today about an Achilles heel and that we all have one. Maybe we have more than one. (laughs) I think I have more than one. And, you know, it's that limp. And so there's a famous, famous story that I love in the Bible. And I like this particular author that her name is Cindy Ruhi. And she really talked about, has God given you a limp? And I like a lot of how she explained it. It's very similar to what we've been talking about today. And she was talking about Jacob being a strong-willed and self-sufficient person. But maybe that wasn't what God really wanted in him. So the Lord arranged a night for Jacob to wrestle with a mysterious opponent who eventually touched Jacob's hip, causing him to have a limp for the rest of his life. Wow. Now, I haven't had to wrestle with anybody like in the night that was some weird being. I might have to wrestle with myself, and I have many times in my life. And so I've had God give me a limp sometimes. Now, some of them he's healed me from. It was a temporary one that he said, hey, you just need to slow down. Some of them, I have it and it won't go away. And I have to constantly deal with it. And so this is what I want you to think about. Jacob had been relying on his own physical strength and his own mind instead of on God. And so his limp not only generated his surrender, but it also was a physical reminder of his struggle against God. Jacob never again schemed to attain the Lord's blessings. Instead, he ultimately trusted and depended on him. See, this is where we have to understand that many times God will also wrestle with us to break our will. And in our brokenness, he intends blessing for us. See, if doing the things in our own strength, or let's say you have a great talent, if that was actually going to help you be a better person and honor God even more, Why would God stop you? But if you have a talent, if you have a a tendency toward grudges, if you have a bad attitude, if you are super gracious, maybe too gracious, then see, God's going to wrestle with you. If you belong to him, he's wanting you to be the best version of you. And he will help you to become that. I'm not saying it's comfortable. It's not like a, you know, massage or something. And so because God is a good God, there's purpose in our suffering. See, Jesus, you know, really talked about children and for their safety and for their future benefit. He's talking about how the Lord disciplines his children. And we all know this idea that if nobody wants to discipline you, then it means that nobody really cares. And so if I don't want to discipline myself, if that's my Achilles heel, 
that I don't want to discipline myself, it's because I don't care enough about myself. And that's not okay. So how about Paul? Let's talk about Paul. He had a quote-unquote thorn in his flesh, right? And this made him humbly rely on God's power and his grace. Nobody knows exactly what that thorn in the flesh was. Could have been his arrogance. Could have been his reticence. It could, I, who knows what it is? Who knows what he did that God had to make him humble? And so we see that the Lord desires our hearts and our minds to be submitted to him, which happens when we are in need, not self-reliance. I mean, I don't call out to God when everything's going great. I might thank him afterwards, but the times that I mostly go to God is when I am in need. So I don't want you to feel bad about that. I want you to understand, especially those of you who have children and pets, Don't they come to us when they have a need? And if they don't come to us, if they have a need, we feel terrible, right? So I don't want you to judge the need. I don't want you to say to yourself, well, I should have taken care of this on my own. I shouldn't be in this problem, have this problem to begin with. So I'm going to see if I can do it on my own, right? We've all been there. We've done that. doesn't work. So what we want to think about is God really wants us to rely on him so that we remain spiritually close to him and continue to mature in our faith and that we actually learn to trust him. See, these temporary lives that we live right now seem to be a series of dealing with problems, right? And as soon as one hurdle is is cleared, we, we get another one. Yet through each of these obstacles, our faith is being refined and we learn more about God. And that's why man was primarily created was to have a personal relationship with the Lord. Many people can relate to this. You wanted children because you didn't want to be alone. You wanted a family. You wanted friends. You wanted all of these different things. That's what, that's what God made us to desire. So there's nothing wrong with wanting that. But what you want to think about is that that personal relationship with God also needs to be one that says, I'm willing to let you change me mold me and shape me if I have reshaped myself into a shape that is probably not originally me. And so God can come back in and undo and redo all the things that we have done, even if they were with, you know, we had good intentions. So when Jesus referred to his followers as sheep, okay, back then sheep would be you know, with their shepherd for years. And it created this great bond. And sheep would recognize and listen only to the shepherd's voice and not to anyone else's. So Jesus proclaimed, hey, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and I know my sheep know me. And my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. This is what we want to think about. If Jesus is the good shepherd, he's not wanting us to not have fun. He's wanting to make sure that the length of time that our life has been, that God is devoted to our life. Jesus wants it to be a good time. And he wants it to be a life that is also helping other people that God loves to have the life that he wants them to have as well. So you want to think about this. See, the longer we follow Jesus, the more we desire a closer relationship. The more easily we recognize his voice. And we are better able to trust if we know him. 
Think of people in your life that you can say, I trust. Who would you say that about? Would they say they trust you? Would you say, hey, this person, I trust them. I trust them implicitly. Even if they mess up, they'll fix it. I know this person. See, we want people to say that about us. So are you like Jacob who struggled against God and said, I'm going to do it my way? I don't really need you. Refusing to surrender, you know, because of your quote-unquote perceived independence. So if you cannot wholeheartedly submit to God, be prepared to uh, receive a limp. He has a tendency to do that with people that he loves. He doesn't want them to crash and burn. So he'll give you a little bump in the road. It may not feel little, but he's doing that to slow something down. He's doing it to get your attention. He's saying, hey, come let us reason together. I want you to talk about this. I don't want you to keep going in this direction. And I know that it's tough because the things that we dream of and the things that are precious to us, it's hard for us to not think that God isn't in it. And I've had to contend with that many, many times in my life. And the biggest one, and I've told this story plenty of times, you know, I have a really large uh, range of singing. I can sing like three octaves. And I love singing. And all I wanted to do was be a performer. My parents really weren't into that because they were not necessarily creative people like I was. And they didn't understand all the time why this was so compelling to me to really perform in front of people. And, and I loved changing people's experiences and, and having them walk away feeling refreshed and encouraged and all kinds of things. And I thought for sure that God gave me that gift so that I could do that. And it's taken me up till this time, probably within the last 10 years, to really realize that that was a little add-on for me. That wasn't the mission. The mission that God wants me to do is refine and help and support and heal his people. And I've done that for 30 years. I still love singing. (laughs) I tell my clients, I'm like, you know, I really did want to be a rock star. And my mom, one day she said to me when I was, oh, probably in college and I was singing in a rock band again. And she said to me, you know, Cynthia, because you're adopted, you know, if God would have put you in some other family, you probably would end up like Lindsay Lohan or Britney Spears. Now, hilarious because she thought that was a negative. I thought it was a positive. I was like, she really sees me. Maybe I really can be a rock star, right? And so I've had to contend with this with God. My ability for music and instruments and performing and dancing and all these things are my Achilles heel. That's what it is. It's my limp. And I have wrestled and wrestled and wrestled with God for more than 30 years. And I now understand so much better. And I've had to learn to trust God that he knew what he was doing when he created me. And he gave me a little add-on of creativity. It wasn't supposed to be the primary thing for me. And that was a tough one for me to learn. I wanted to control. I wanted to plan and do things my way. Because, you know, I thought I had a really good idea. It all seemed to make sense to me. And when I finally surrendered, my life became much more exciting, much more fulfilling, because the Lord was doing what was really intended for me to do. I love the people that I work with. I see them usually for the entirety of their life, many times. 
And I love to be a part of that family and help them really be the people that God has created them to be. And I didn't know how much I would love that. I really didn't until God made sure that he committed to the plan that he had made and he was going to make sure I got to the other side. And so I want to leave you with this verse. It's one of my favorite ones. And I want you to think about, are you trying to do everything in your own strength? Or are you trusting God to work out the difficult situations in his way and to trust him and understand that he's not wanting to give you a debilitating limp before you submit to him and receive his blessings? He's wanting you to trust him. And so my favorite verse is Ephesians 3.20. And this is what he talks about repeatedly. Remember that the Lord is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask for or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. When we surrender our hearts, our minds, our soul, our volition, and we say, God, I trust you, then I want you to understand God is going to do amazing things that you could never, ever have thought of, envisioned, or imagined. Because God has a specific plan for you. And he's wanting you to walk it out and enjoy it in the way that he created it to be. So that you can really know who you are, why you are here, what the point of it is, and it helps you to deal with some of the difficulties that come in life because you're knowing why you're here. Thank you for listening. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. I look forward to talking to you next week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, She oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, Be your own best version. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.